All right, we're starting a new um, series today called Imitate. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 if you have your Bibles. <clears throat> if not, we've got the uh, verses on the screen. And this, uh, this series is all about one simple thing, is, and it comes from a theme verse in Ephesians 5.1, and, uh, and we're going to surround everything around this one theme verse. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And this kind of has a double meaning for me when I read it, um, that we should uh, not just as sons and daughters of God, we've learned that in Ephesians, that we are adopted into his family. So as sons and daughters of God, that we should imitate God, our Heavenly Father, um, but also as, you know, earthly sons and daughters, that, that we tend to imitate our uh, parents, and if you, like, starting to, as you grow older, you're starting to, like, yeah, I'm kind of looking and acting, like, more and more like my parents. Is that just terrifying? Is that worst news ever, right? I told my friend the other day uh, that he was, he was starting to act like his dad, and, uh, and he totally freaked out on me. Like, it wasn't a good, it wasn't good news for him, uh, and, and what's even crazier is that you can, you can start to see, if you have kids, you can start to see your, your uh, personality coming out in your kids, which is terrifying um, just because you know where you go with your attitude and personality sometimes, and you, know, you just know it's not good, and, uh, and you can start to see that show up in your kids. Um, when um, some, of you, some of you know, some, some of you might not know that I've been friends with Patrick for a long time. met him back in 2007, 2008 um, in our church in Arkansas, and I've got a picture of him actually. When, when he was in our church in Arkansas and he was in the kids' ministry. He was a youth worker, but he would sign up during worship every once in a while to, to watch kids. So he looks a lot younger and a lot, you know, less old and less gray. Uh, <laughs> I already made fun of that for him, to his face for that today. But uh, Kipton was, um, what, what did you say, one-year-old probably right there, a little older, a uh, little, little younger. Um, but when Kipton was three, um, I remember specifically we took, uh, <clears throat> we took them out to eat and family was in town and and when he was three, he had this thing that he would do um, that whenever uh, Kipton would see us sleeping or napping or something like that, he would, and I don't know where he picked this up, it's just, it's just all original inside of Kipton, he would walk up, to, he would sneak up, like he would watch us napping, and he would yell, surprise, and like right, I mean right here in our face. And he would yell at us, and we're like, and you know, and you're just, why did you do, why on earth did you think that was a good idea? And... Um, and he would do that over and over and over. So like Saturday afternoon naps were never fun because he would ruin them. Uh, but he would, he would walk up and he would say, surprise. But then, interestingly enough, like he would take that into other places. And that's kind of the fun slash not fun thing about parenting is your kids don't know what's appropriate when and where and where things belong and where they don't belong. We'll have a small group and one of my kids will run out and be like, I'm naked. And we're like, not when we have friends over, buddy. Not when we have friends over. But we were at Red Lobster one time when he was three. I remember specifically. And, uh, and, and Caden was, was obviously like real, real young at that point. And uh, it's not like any, like he didn't, you know, no one was sleeping in Red Lobster or anything. But he just decided just in the middle of conversation, everything's like, surprise! And I was uh, spoon-feeding baby food to Caden. And what none of us were prepared for was that Caden was going to think it was so funny. And, and the problem is food was trying to go in the mouth. Air was coming out of the mouth. And it was like the spoon was at the perfect angle where this, like, baby food hit this, like, ramp 
you know, as the, the, the air hit the food and the food went into like this lady's hair, this like beehive haircut, and it was embedded in her hair. And it was just a moment. It was just a moment. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, Kipton, can I just tell you, just no more ever again. Just stop forever. Uh, <laughs> please stop. Never do that again. And uh, yeah, sometimes you just want to hide. Caden thought it was hilarious, though. Caden thought it was hilarious. And, um, you know, sometimes your kids do, do things, and, and, and that's not, not very fun. I was talking with my friend um, Josh the other day. Some of you guys know Josh. He's got a daughter named Nova. And, uh, and he was teaching her how to do uh, the Chewbacca sound, which I will not be doing today. Um, and uh, Josh's Chewbacca isn't all that awesome either. And, uh, but it was so funny. He was up in her grill, and he was, like, doing the Chewbacca sound. In fact, um, there's a video of it if you'll click that video. Um. Now check her out. That's got to be a Guinness World Record. Like the four-month-old knows how to do a Chewbacca sound. Uh, that's amazing. And, and he was just like... He was like, I can't, I can't believe it. Of course, you know, any dad is like, my kid's literally the smartest kid ever. And I was like, so he's telling me, he's like, yeah, she can do Chewbacca. And I'm like, really? And he pulls out his phone. I'm like, okay, she's, she's doing Chewbacca. That's amazing. And uh, I don't know, it's just funny. When you think about that, when I think about this, I think about that we should imitate God as beloved children. Obviously, we've been walking through uh, scripture after scripture about what it looks like to imitate um, God or really to to walk in faith. And like I said, the word walk is going to show up in chapter five, just like it showed up a couple times in chapter four. So we're going to pay attention. There's going to be three kind of lanes of imitation that we're going to talk about. And today we're going to talk about how in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it's going to say this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So somehow what Paul is relating here is that as imitators of God, we are supposed to walk in love just like Christ. So, so what are some of the ways? Just think through some of the ways, and if you're taking notes, you can even jot a couple things down. What are some of the ways that Jesus loved us, like walked in love for the church? Um, obviously the element of, of constant sacrifice, right? Uh, the con- like he continually was out for other people. When he saw the crowds, they were hungry. He had compassion on them. He, he desired to feed them. And it wasn't so much about just like putting off all, we've been studying in small group about all these miracles in the book of Mark. And it's like, why does he do these miracles? And it's not just that he's trying to show off. He's trying to, yes, he's trying to like authenticate his message and showing, yes, I'm the son of God, but he's also showing people that, that, that he can be trustworthy and he's not out for the crowds right? He's, you, you see him, he's like gathering crowds, and then he'll say like, now if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross. So he's gathering a crowd and thinning the crowd, and gathering the crowd and thinning the crowd with his message. But he's constantly, he's telling them truth. That's how he walks in love. He's sacrificing for them. He's showing them the way to God, not just the way. Like we know in culture today, we probably have the most 
like sensitive, um, easily offended, don't tell anyone what is true about this world, culture, society that we've ever lived in. And so it's hard to live in this society and truly walk in love because when you walk in love in a, in a very real sense, sometimes love is uh, tough, right? If you're with a family, sometimes hard things need to be said, hard things need to be done. And, uh, and so walking in love is, is tough. But what I um, have learned so far studying in Ephesians, as we learned in chapter 4, it's not so much about doing the things that Jesus did or saying the things that Jesus said. It's about what's inside his heart and imitating that. And you know, right, you know that you can sin all day long inside your heart and no one can ever know it, right, with the things you think, with the things that you you, 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 you allow to dominate your thinking with the things that you, um, maybe you, you're thinking it, but you're not saying it, but you're not saying it, uh, not out of love, but you're not saying it because it's not cooth, it's not okay, it's not nice. It's all these things we, we allow to dominate kind of what we believe um, based on our outside actions. How many of you know that you can sin all day without anyone ever knowing it. Jesus uh, addressed this in the, in the parable, uh, I'm sorry, in the Sermon on the Mount. He would say things like, you've heard it said, uh, you know, don't commit adultery, but, but I say that if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, that you've already committed adultery. And he kind of changes the game. And all the guys are like, oh, I thought I would just be able to just look and never really act on it, right? If you've ever heard a man say like, I can look at the menu all day, but I can't get to, I can't order. Have you ever heard that? Um, and some of you women are like, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, do, do you guys really think that? Yeah, yeah, like a lot of men really think that. And husbands think that's okay. And what Jesus does, he flips it on the script. He's like, I'm never going to cheat on a woman, but like, I'm going to take a peek and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and we, we can sin all day long inside of our hearts. So walking in love is not necessarily just about, what you do or what you touch or what you, how you act. All of it has to do with something inside your heart. I remember when I was a teenager, um, I had this moment where I had a small group leader and uh, he, would, um, he was the first small group leader that I really learned to trust even though he was in my face all the time. You know, when you're, teen, when you're a teenager, you need someone. But the, the tough love, you need someone to be like, hey, listen, you need to knock it off. And, uh, and we had a, when we would have half days in our high school, uh, me and my group of friends, I had a great group of friends in high school. We never, uh, we kind of had this idea that uh, we weren't going to drink, we weren't going to smoke, we weren't going to do drugs, we weren't going to go to the parties where everyone was getting trashed because it was just really obvious that everyone was getting in a lot of trouble and no one was getting anywhere by doing all those things. But they weren't Christians, they were just not doing these things. And so... Um, they were pretty clean, and I, we made it all the way through high school without ever really doing any of that. But the one thing that we did do um, was on half days that we would go to uh, Hooters for lunch. And, uh, and one time I told my small group leader, or maybe I didn't tell him, maybe he, he probably just found out, let's be honest. So I probably wasn't like, we went to Hooters at small group, you know. Um, and, uh, and, and we had a conversation about it. And I remember because I was a Christian at that point, and I had a bunch of non-Christian friends, and we would sit at the table, and, uh, and I was truly, truly, truly trying to be like a Christian and really pay attention. And so I was, I was like, you know, like someone would come, and I'd be like, no, I, I just want to, you know, just want to, you know, a chicken sandwich and whatever. And, and like I'm trying, and all my friends are like, what is wrong with you? Like, 
half the reason we came here is to, like, you know, enjoy our time here. And, um, and, and I was like, well, you know, guys, like, I'm a Christian. I'm really trying not to look at that. And I, I truly thought I was being, like, a good witness by going and not looking and, uh, and not, you know, making comments and all this kind of stuff. And probably it would have been a better witness just to not go. And, um, and my small group leader said, I don't know, it's just interesting to me. Like, do you talk about going to church and inviting your friends? Like, yeah, talk about camp, retreats, talk about what I'm learning. And he's like, and, and then you go, to, you go to Hooters with them, and it's just like, okay. It's like, do you really think you're being a good witness? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not looking. You know, I'm trying to make all these excuses. And the truth was, in my heart, I needed someone to look at me and be like, imitating God is not just about like making sure that you're not caught or make, make, making sure that you're not, whatever. just make sure that your heart is good on the inside. And, uh, and if your heart is good on the inside, you don't have to like also like follow up with lies and make sure that your, your gates and your fences are up all around so people or whatever. Like who are you trying to impress anyways? I think my small group leader said, like, who are you trying to impress anyway? Is it a, is it a God thing or is it a is it a your friends thing or is it a society thing? Like what is truly walking in love? What is truly walking in faith all about? And I had a I had a mind change about that. An imitator of God is not just doing the things he did or not doing the things he didn't do. It has everything to do with what's in your heart. There you go. There you go. So we have to take inventory of our life. And we start to have to um, look at what the world looks like versus what walking in love, walking in Jesus looks like. What, is, what does Jesus look like as he walked on this earth? And what does the world look like? So we have to t- start to take inventory of our life because our hearts will go one way and our feet will follow, right? Um, we learn that. We don't walk as the Gentiles do. Why? Because they're, they're futile in their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding. So he says, don't walk like they do. Because you are not. You're, you're enlightened by, by the gospel of grace. Like you've been, you've been given an adoption. You've been given a blessing. You've been given salvation and hope and a calling. So don't walk like they do. And so the reason that we talked about this being such a tough portion of Scripture is because it can seem like we're earning our salvation by the way we're walking. Not true. We are walking something out because Jesus has already done a work inside of us. So we have to take inventory of how we're walking. So think about it. Think of all the areas in your life. Does it look more like the world or does it look more like Jesus? And I seriously want you to think about that. The way you, the way you work, right? The way you treat your job is, are you working as unto the Lord or are you just trying to scrape by? You're trying to use company time to do your, your own projects. You're trying to maybe make some sales a certain way so that you, you know, can bump up the bottom line or whatever. What is it? Looks more like the world, looks more like Jesus. The way your family works, the way the way you treat family, the way you the way you honor your family, the way you that you 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 either pay more attention to your your family or the the people on the outside that you're trying to impress. What is it? Looks more like the world. Looks more like Jesus. Take take inventory of that. The the way you look at stuff, what we're chasing, the, the actual like the houses, the cars, the the possessions. Look at Jesus. Like what was important to him. There's almost nothing in there about possessions as far as something that he pursued. What he said is that where you put your treasure, your heart follows. Like he taught us about that. So is your heart following after possessions? I'll be the first to say, it's very easy for me to look around and compare. I get lost in that. I get lost in that. What about the way you treat finances? Is it all yours? Is it all God's? What, how did Jesus walk? Jesus was constantly, constantly 
speaking about stewardship, right? Making sure that things didn't have our heart. He, he would talk about money, but he wasn't talking about money. He was talking about your heart, right? Because your heart tends to grasp after that thing that you care most about. What about relationships? What about the way you treat people? All these things. Think about things. Take inventory of these things in your life. So he would say, walk in love, be imitators of God. I'm thinking of a couple different passages where Paul has written and kind of um, come to the same conclusions. In Romans chapter 12, he's going to say, and listen, this verse has come up a couple times in this chapter, um, and, and I want to make sure that you understand that repetition is not a bad thing. We need to see these things, and these things need to be in our hearts over and over and over. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two say, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? That's pretty much echoing God, right? This is, if we're going to be imitators of God, that is something that he exemplified, right? That we're holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. So how do we get there? Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we renew our minds. How do we do that? I think we preach the gospel to ourselves day in and day out. We spend time with God. And I think that's a, by the way, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a temperature gauge on when we spend time with God. Are we trying to knock it off the to-do list or are we trying to literally sit down face-to-face -face with our Creator and get to know God. I, I, I think of, I think of in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is talking, and he's like, when you pray, I want you to go inside in your room. And listen, pray in your car, pray before meals, and pray all that kind of stuff. But that should not be the hallmark of your Christian faith. Like, if prayer is communion with God, that ought to be what, like, the basis. What's the basis of a healthy marriage, right? Communication, trust, all that kind of stuff. What does it look like for you to actually commune with God? That's how we renew our minds. Because I tell you, when I wake up in the morning, I need to commune with God. When I'm throughout my day, during the, during the week, when I'm putting my kids to bed, we need to commune with God. We need to actually spend time with God because every time I do that, my mind starts to be transformed, not just conforming to the world's image, right? Look like the world, look like Jesus. Are you imitating God or are you imitating culture? We are good at imitating culture. We're really good at that. And, and, it's, and it has a little bit to do with what has our hearts. What does the world look like? What, ha what has the world's hearts? Think about it. Yeah, stuff, status, power, comfort. Think of all these things that have our hearts. And if Jesus truly has our hearts, then we ought to be able to trust him in the midst of those things not being foundational in our lives. So what does it look like to imitate God. What does it look like to imitate God? The second passage I want to take you to, third actually, is Philippians chapter 2. Speaks directly to it. Paul is talking about the example that we have in Jesus. If we're going to imitate God, here it is. Have this mind among yourselves. Again, this mind, right? Not just like, no, make sure that you go out and you feed the masses and you do this. If you do all that stuff, you may pave a really good path on the way to hell because you've missed the mind of Christ. Does that make sense? If you want Jesus, 
You want the mind of Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What I am not saying is that you need to do the things that Jesus did without thinking about his motivation. I think, I think this is just kind of what I'm thinking. If you want to truly imitate God, I think you need to pay attention to like what motivates him. What motivates God? What are his, what is he passionate about? Truly think about that. What at the end of the world, what is he passionate about? What does he want? He is reconciling us to himself He's making all things new. And we have lost track of that in the pursuit of all these worldly, worldly passions. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I think that you, uh, you know that you're starting to imitate God is that you start to see that fruit change. That's, that's, that's one of the only things that I can see in my own life. I mean, I know, I know what's going on inside. I may not know what's going on inside of your heart. I know what's going on inside my heart, and I know that the fruit of Christ, I mean, think about it, joy, peace, patience, goodness, all these kinds of things. If I'm going to truly echo Jesus, then maybe that word humbled ought to be something that would, people would describe me. Humility. Humility. That's a tough one. Because what is humility if not just making sure that you have a right view of yourself, a right view of God, and a right view of people? Or people, people matter. You can't matter more than other people, right? Because what he said is that I'm going to humble myself to the point of, of a cross. I'm going to sacrifice myself. So what I want you to do over the course of this next couple weeks is I want you to think about what it looks like in your world to imitate God. We're going to talk about the different ways that he calls us to walk. Um, We're going to talk about how he calls us to walk in light and how he calls us to walk in wisdom. Okay, so that's going to be what we're going to talk about because it's literally laid out for that. But if we're going to walk in love, we're going to have to chase after the mind of Christ. So what I want to do for us as we close is I want us to literally just spend some time in prayer as a crew, as a family, and, uh, and ask God to show us. I think one of the things that we have to do, we can't just allow the comfort of salvation and the comfort of like, no, I'm good, I'm good, to, to not push us to grow in our imitation of God. Imitating God is something that should never end and it should never stop growing. So what are those ways? And I, and, and I hope that maybe the Spirit inside of you, if you're, if you're a believer, that the Spirit is inside of you saying, yep, there's some things that we need to work on in your heart. And so I want us to pray. And so in, in, just, the, in just whatever mode feels most comfortable to you, I want, I want us to position ourselves just for humility before our Father in heaven. And I just want us to beg. So I'm going to pray over you, but I would like you to also just kind of spend some time in prayer, just yourself silently. I'll give you a couple of minutes and then I'll, I'll close this.
Father, we just want to right now collectively submit to you, surrender. Um, It's not lost on me that we may have missed some of the ways that we get caught up in, in, in our in our in our pursuits, in our lusts, in the things that we think are most important in this world. God, we just, it's not lost to me that we may not even know the ways that we need to imitate you. So God, in this moment, as we, as we are um, kind of starting in this, in this new series, Lord, we want to be people who are wide open I think that we all want to be wide open, Lord, but we also need to be people who are, who are listening constantly for you and your Holy Spirit to shape us. Or there's portions of Scripture where, where we are praying, <laughs> Lord, show us our wicked ways. Test us. Try us. Lord, search us. Lord, we want you to know us. And you do know us but we don't know us like you know us. In all the ways that we fail, that we have shortcomings, Lord, we invite you to speak. Lord, you know that Sunday morning is not the only time that we're supposed to spend time with you, Lord, that we're supposed to take this into the week as we hear from you, as we minister to others as we serve the people around us. Lord, we, we ask, I ask that you would give us time this week just silently before you to hear from you. Lord, we, we ask for conviction. We ask to know the things that we are doing that are harming our witness that are creating distance in our relationship with you. Lord, last week we learned about grieving the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there are ways in which we have turned our ear off to your Holy Spirit's voice, Lord, we ask, Lord, we, we are taking steps back towards you right now with, with hands open to receive, ears open or hearts open. Lord, if we need to hear from you, Lord, speak. And Lord, please let our ears be open. We're not perfect. We know that we're striving for holiness. But God, we just ask you to move in us. Show us, God. Lord, continue to show us how we can be more like you. Not just in our actions not just in, in the things that people see, but in the, in the stillness of our heart. Lord, you, you say that we're supposed to go into our room and, and pray to our Father who's in secret. And our Father who's in secret will give us those gifts, will bless us, will, will, will have a conversation with you. We know that the goal is not to come together as a corporate gathering and let that be the core of our foundation of our faith. But Lord, we are supposed to go up on the mountaintop ourselves and just listen to you and just be changed and molded by you. So I pray that you would bless us with the blessing 
of, of being molded, being transformed, being changed into something new, like clay in a potter's wheel. And that's what we're here for. Lord, if there is any way that we as individuals or that we as a faith family need to shift, that we need to repent, that we need to change the direction, not just of the way we walk, but of our heart, Lord, we are open and we are asking. Because when we encounter these portions of Scripture where it's just very clear that we need to imitate you, we need to walk in love just as your son forgave us. We want to be people of your word. We want to be people of your spirit. I pray that you give us that blessing. I pray that in the month of February, we would look back and we would say that God did something amazing in our hearts as individuals, as families, as a faith family all together corporately, that you would do something amazing in our hearts. Change us. That is what this world is all about, is us knowing you. We beg you to speak. Lord, as we, as we close, we remember the short figures. Um, we ask that you would give them everything they need as we focus on showing them love this month. Lord, we pray that somehow that they would be given the money they need to purchase that new van or that somehow some miracle would show up that you would allow them to have a van for free. Maybe you give them that van for free and they're able to use the money that they're raising for the, all the things that they're going to need to buy, the expenses. Lord, we, we believe you're the God of miracles. So God, we're just, we're just here asking you just to show off, not for our benefit, um, but so that we can remember how good you are, so that you can be glorious in front of us and that we can see your glory and your power and your love towards us who are your sons and daughters. Lord, we pray that you bless Joe and Mickey, Eliza and Piper with everything they need. It's in your name we pray. Amen.